We all ask questions. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? If a number two pencil is so popular, why is it still number two? When cheese gets its picture taken, what does it say? I've always wondered, do vegetarians eat animal crackers? But some questions are more meaningful than others. The Bible seems confusing at times. How can I understand the Bible? Are we living in the end time? And if so, what does that mean to me? I've always wondered what people mean when they talk about spiritual warfare. How do I handle difficult people? Because I know some difficult people. So we turn to the one who has all the answers. We'll examine some of our biggest questions and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. We're in the series called You Asked For It. And what, what, what this is, is earlier in the year we did this survey and said, hey, if you could hear a message about any topic, what would you like to hear about? So we literally took the top four topics and said, hey, here's... Here's, uh, here's, here's what you asked for. Here's, here's, the, um, here's a message about those topics. So we've talked about how to handle stress. Last week we talked about how do I understand the Bible. If you weren't here, check that out. A lot of details about how you can trust the Bible and if it's historically accurate, all those kind of questions. It's awesome on the podcast. You can check that out. Next week we're going to be talking about this. What is spiritual warfare? This is one of your top four questions where it's like, hey, I don't understand all of that stuff. Sounds spooky, sounds weird, don't really understand it. So we're going to be talking about that next Next week, and then on the 24th, we're excited. It's our second birthday celebration, so we're excited to celebrate being a toddler. Everybody, celebrate being two years old, and uh, and and we're we're not terrible twos. It's going to be the terrific twos. We're excited about that. So we're going to have bounce houses, a lot of fun, a food, and a gift for everybody that comes. And then the next week, which is October the first, we start my favorite series of the year. It's called At the Movies. And if you've never experienced this before, it's a one of a kind series where we take uh, we take movies and uh, we, we we for faith and film kind of collide. And it's it's the best time of the year to bring guests with you. We have more people give their lives to Jesus during this series every year than any other series, just because it, it connects. And it's, it's awesome. So that's going to be the month of October. We're so excited about that. So go ahead and start inviting friends and families. People have told me all week long, uh, they said, hey, hey last, week, last year I invited a coworker to come with me. And they, they've been asking me, when are we going to do that again? Because I want to come. So people will come. Just ask them to come with you. And, and, and we'll have more space for them. So that will be great. And then today, the question that you had, the top four questions is this. How do I deal with difficult people? Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody knows some difficult people? Yeah, yeah. How many has ever, well, been a difficult person? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, difficult people are everywhere. Difficult people are everywhere. At work, you know, they're everywhere except church, right? All the people here at church are like perfect people. No difficulty, no situations, you know, never made a mistake, right? I mean, it's just amazing. All the perfect people choose to come the same day, the same service, but, but, but difficult people, they're everywhere. And I want to show you some illustrations of some difficult people. And I'll just go ahead and admit, I had way too much fun putting this message together. Uh, when I got thinking about that, I was like, oh, let me, let me keep adding. And, and, and uh, my wife's like, I think you got a lot of different things. So, okay, so here we go. I have issues, everybody. So you're going to see it. Here's the first person, difficult person, the hammer. Anybody know the hammer? Like it's going to be my way or the highway. They're like the aggressor. You better not cross them. Here's another one, the megaphone. People just talk. And they talk, and they talk, and they talk. How many is a megaphone in the house? I think we have some megaphones. Yeah, some people. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. When someone says they're ready to get off the phone, let them get off the phone. Come on, stop it. Here's the next one, the bubble buster. 
Anybody knows a bubble buster? You know, just always just the perpetual devil's advocate. I tell people the devil does not need an advocate. Like he's, he's not, no advocate needed. He just, just, they just always have to bust your bubble. Here's another one, the complainer. Just always, just always complaining. Just, just about everything. Just, it's every word is, is a complaint. He's, he's having some issues. He's having some trouble there. Uh, the volcano. <laughs> Anybody know a volcano? <laughs> And we're having to come to Jesus' service. Some people are really getting blessed today by the vault. You don't know when they're going to erupt, right? Here's another one, uh, the space cadet. The space cadet just kind of in their own universe, in their own world, just kind of going around, ADD, you know, just there's a squirrel, you know, all the time. Uh, here's another uh, The competitor, everything is a competition, everything. Like we're going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to get faster than you. Like it's every... That's a very bad illustration, but yeah, we're a competitor. Uh, the, the flaky person, this person, like they're just the, they're the, the loose chain. Like you don't know, you know, they say they're going to do something and you just know they're not going to do it. They're just flaky. They say, oh, I'll be over at five. You're like, no, you won't. You're, you're flaky. <laughs> what this one, the clam? They just bundle all of their emotions down deep inside and they're just going to give you the silent treatment, you know? It's like the husband and wife, you know, having a fight and the silent treatment, you know, and you, you know, there's like a dividing line in the, in the bed. It's like, I'm not even going to let my foot get on your side. I'm giving you the side, just the clam. I'm just clamming up. What this, the worrier, this person that worried about the weather, worried about the economy, worried about being worried. They get a headache. They think it's, they get a headache and they think it is uh, like, like tuberculosis or, or something like that. Just worried about everything. Uh, the me monster, you know, it's all about me, myself, and... Uh, yeah, it's just everything, whatever, you know, it's all mine. It's all about me. Uh, uh, this one, the nitpicker. Anybody know any nitpickers in the house? You know, they just kind of like find that one thing, that one thing that you need. And it's like, click, click, click. You know, they're just going to nitpick it to death. Uh, this one, the know-it-all. <laughs> Who knows it all? This guy, you know, he's, he's a know-it-all. This one, the one-upper. I love this. It says, world's greatest chef. And hers says, universe's greatest est chef. <laughs> you know, it's like, I had a good day. My day was better. My kids are awesome. My kids are better. I got to raise my raises more. You know, everything is always going to be a one-upper. This one, the crybaby. Just, just, I'm so sad. Everything's not going. Just whining, crying. Uh, the manipulator. And just people that are controlling people, manipulating, manipulative people. I mean, you know, some manipulative people. Yeah. About this one, the garbage collector. You know, you just get around. Have you ever kind of get, got around some people and it's just, you just want to take a shower. You just want to take a shower because, you know, they just gossip and just, 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 uh, just, just collecting some garbage. Mr. Perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Perfect's never had a, never had a problem. You know, like you, you ever met, you ever met somebody before? It's like, uh, it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of being honest. Like, yeah, you know, just kind of been fearful lately. And they're like, yeah, I never dealt with that. It just kind of, no, I'm, I'm kind of cool, and, you know, everything's kind of went great. I've never had an issue with my life. they not authentic at all. What about this one, the fragile? It's a person, it's like you're afraid if you say hi, they're just going to start weeping at any, any, any time. It's like don't touch them. They're fragile. You know, they're a fragile person. Uh, this one, the two-faced, you know, you don't know. what they, They're one way in front, one way behind your back. This one's a victim. I love this, the, the, the person that's a victim. Here's, they play the victim card all the time. The victim card is a get out of responsibility free at any time. This, the victim is the person, nothing's ever their fault. You know, everybody else has done everything to them. They're just the victim and everything bad in their life is somebody else's fault. They're, they're the victim. So here's, here's some, the reality is that we all have some difficult people and 
and, and we've all been difficult people, right? And uh, some of the heroes of the Bible dealt with that exact same thing. Joseph in the scripture, he was not, he's just in, in the Old Testament. The new, uh, this kind of be confusing sometimes if you're new to the Bible because there's actually two Josephs in the Bible. In the New Testament, you have Mary and Joseph, but in the Old Testament, you have Joseph that was a son of a man named Israel. And this is where kind of the tribes of Israel come from. He had, he had 11 brothers, so there were 12 of them, and you have the 12 tribes of Israel. But Joseph had some difficult people that he dealt with, and his difficult people were not at work. His difficult people were in his family. So I, I just want to talk to some people here today that you're, you're kind of surrounded by some difficult people. How do you deal with it? How do you keep it? And watch what happened in Joseph's life. It said, Joseph had a dream. So that's good, right? He had a dream. He had a hope. He had this idea for his life. It says when he told it to his brothers, man, they were so excited for him. Like they were so pumped up. Like, dude, you got a dream. You're awesome. No, it says they hated him all the more. You ever met somebody that was not as excited about your life as you were? You ever met somebody that you had a dream and, and they weren't excited about the dream like you were excited about the dream and you felt like it was from God, but you're like, how can I, I don't understand why everybody else is not connecting with my dream. And he tells him the dream. It says, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field where suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. So he was like, just my dream, I was better than you guys. And everyone, all y'all are bowing down to me. And they're like, we hate you even more for this dream. Like difficult people. And, and it says, they said to each other, come now, let's kill him. And throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Just this reality that even great people in the Bible dealt with difficult people and on the extreme. And, and I want to talk today about how do we deal with difficult people. Just really answer your question. And, and, and here's the reality about relationships. There's a lot of layers to relationships. So, so I'm not going to unravel every layer here in the next 20 minutes. But, but, but I, I want to give you some biblical truth to how do you deal with these people that, 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 that hurt you, that harm you, whether they realize it or not. Maybe it's as simple as someone at work or maybe it's something deep in your family or maybe you have a rocky uh, relationship with a spouse right now or a wayward child or, or, you, or a parent situation. You know, you're kind of estranged and, and you're like, man, there's just difficult people all around me. What do, what do I do in the middle or maybe a difficult boss? or you have a difficult employee or how do you deal with the difficult in our lives and I hope you're taking notes today because I just want to give you some very practical uh, things in this message and here's the first one the first thing we do is we sit in their seat we sit in their seat that's simply to say that we we approach them we respond to them with compassion with grace with, with care with gentleness we sit in their seat everyone has a perspective that they're coming from Everybody, everybody in this room has a story. Every person. Sometimes I love to people watch. Anybody like to people watch? You ever done that before? Yeah. And, and I, I just, I wonder, what's, what's everybody's story? What, what's their story? And I find it helps me to deal with some difficult people. I was uh, reading a book by a guy named Stephen Covey, and he tells, tells a story about a time he was riding the subway in New York City. And he was, like, enjoying his day. Everything was going great. And uh, this, this dad and two two young kids, two young boys get on the, on the train and the boys just start going crazy. And the dad is kind of zoned out. He's like being the space cadet. And 
there were, you know, everybody on the train is looking at these two boys that are going nuts. They're jumping around, they're yelling, they're, they're just being very insensitive to the world around them, and the dad's not doing anything about it. And Stephen Covey, the writer's saying, I, what's, what in, like, I cannot believe this guy. I cannot believe what he's doing. I cannot believe, he cannot even get in control of his own kids. Anybody ever been there before? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, who is this person? I can't believe them. And so finally, uh, after his patience wore thin, he, he, he worked up the courage to say, hey, hey excuse me, sir, um, could you please get control of your kids? Look, I mean, they're just bothering everybody around here. And he said it was like the man just kind of woke up and, and kind of came to consciousness. And he said, man, I'm so sorry. He said, we buried their mother today, my wife today. And he said, I'm just, I'm not even here right now. I don't even know what to do. He said, I'm sorry, I'm not, you know, and he got his boys over there. And he said, in that one instance, that man went from being a nuisance to him. And he said, I said, how can I help you, man? Like, is there anything I can do? And, and here's the reality. Every difficult person comes from a perspective. Every person comes from a place. Everybody has a story. Even the most difficult people in our lives have a story. Aren't you glad that God knows our story and loves us anyways? Aren't you glad God doesn't throw us away when we make a mistake and whenever we have some situations? I just want to stop for a minute and tell somebody that God still loves you. He still cares you. He cares for you. He's still for you. Like, you can't make enough mistakes for God's grace not to cover your life. Why? Because He knows. Like, He cares about you. He loves you. It's, here's what the scripture says. A gentle answer deflects anger. And, and I, for me, that makes it, what this means for me is usually my first response is the wrong response with difficult people. Because God says, hey, the way you're supposed to respond is with a gentle response. And my first response is not gentle. How many, can I get a witness with that? Like your first response is, is not gentle whatsoever when you're dealing with the difficult people. He says, no, no, no. But if you want to deal with it in the right way, the, the only way, if you just have harsh words, it's just going to temper, you're just going to flare. But a gentle answer deflects anger. One of my favorite quotes is, is this, and I always heard it, Mr. Rogers. Anybody ever heard of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like my day when I was growing up, and this is his favorite quote. It wasn't a quote by him, but he said that this was his favorite quote. He says, There's a, there isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. I felt like even during 21 days of prayer, we every August and January, we take 21 days, and we pray here in the morning at 6 a.m., and I felt like one of the things God dealt with me about 20, during 21 days of prayer are some people that I was not loving. And uh, I, I felt like the Lord told me to write letters. I felt like the Lord told me that I needed to schedule some time to meet some people and, and just to hear their story a little bit. And you know what? I walked away with a new appreciation and a love for people whenever I heard their story. And the question is, do you know the story of the people that are, that are, that are against you in your life? Even family members. Even, we can be so close to somebody and not even have heard their story. We can be so close to our parents and not even know where the story was that, that, that made someone the way that they were, or maybe a coworker, to, to know their story and to hear their story, not to try to fix them, but to try to love them and care for them, to sit in their seat a little bit. See, see we need to choose to sit in someone's place when we want to put someone in their place. Instead of putting someone in their place, choose to sit in their place just for a moment. That doesn't mean you just let them get away with everything, but just a moment. Let, a, let your answer be a gentle answer, and it happens through compassion. And compassion happens when you sit in their place. And empathy, 
empathy. Listen. Take time to, to, to spend time with people and care for people. And sit in their seat a little bit. Here's the second thing. Set realistic expectations of people. <laughs> this one sets me free. And it's simply to say this. We need to raise our level of expectation in our relationship with God. And we probably need to lower it some in our relationships with people. Here's the problem. Whenever you expect people to be and do what only God can be and do, you're going to be set up for disappointment every time. If you walk into your workplace tomorrow morning expecting people to be God and them always to have the good answer and have grace and mercy and, and peace, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, hope, you know, I'll have all those things, and, and you're going to be disappointed. You know, if you're with me every day and you're expecting perfection and never, never coming unglued, never have, then you're going to be disappointed. But when you expect that of God, you're never going to be disappointed. And, and we need to give grace for other people and, and set some realistic expectations. If you're married to someone, that person is not Jesus. That person is never going to be Jesus. Only Jesus can be Jesus. And, and, and that's why when you give some grace to the people you're with and say, God, you're the only person that's perfect and give grace with the people around us. Set some realistic expectations of people. Watch what God does for us. It says he knows us inside and out and he keeps in mind that we're made of mud. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're made of mud. But here's the reality. When God deals with us, he keeps in mind who we are and what we are. Why don't we give some difficult people some grace in our lives? Remember that they're, they're, they're made of mud. They, they, they have issues. Here's what even the Apostle Paul said this. He said, everyone looks out for their own interests. <laughs> he was probably saying this verse, writing this verse because he was dealing with some difficult people. He's like, everybody's looking out for their own interests and, and not those of Jesus Christ. And this set me free. That, that people, people are not, um, they're not against you, they're just for themselves. Man, that set me free in dealing with people. Like, like a lot of times we think everybody's against us, like the world's against us. And it's not, no, 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 the world's not against us, they're just for themselves. Your boss, he's not against you. They're just for themselves. You're, that person you're dealing with, that, that troubled family, they're not, they're not against you, they're just for themselves. And a lot of times we walk into relationships and we say, uh, we'll walk into a room. I don't know if you've ever been this person. Like I walk in a room and think, everybody's talking about me. And <laughs> my pastor growing up set me free. He said, they're not talking about you. Like you're not that important, Brandon. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about themselves. That's what they're talking about. And, and, and when we start getting these perceptions that, man, that, that, that we, we expect people to be God to us, only God can be God. And we need to lower some expectations. That, that really helps me. Because I don't walk this world, expect, I expect people to let me down. And I expect that, have, like, like this is part of how we relate. But you know what? I consistently turn to God who never lets me down. And I have grace and mercy for the people in my life. Here's the third thing. This is so powerful. Set limits and boundaries when it comes to difficult people. Set limits and boundaries when it comes to difficult people. A boundary is simply this, a property line. To, to just show you a picture of it, it's a property line. This is, this is my house. I have a fence around my house. And this is my neighbor's house. And they have a fence around their house. This is, what, this is my property. I own it. I'm responsible for it. This, this is mine. Like, like this is what I am responsible for. This is my domain. This is what I own. And then right here, this is my neighbor's property. 
It's what they own. It's what they're responsible for. And, and it's, they, they have it, and I have mine. And there's a differentiation between the two of us. This is, and, and what happens in life is um, maybe it's a storm that happens, and they have a tree here that, that they haven't taken care of, and they haven't got it trimmed right. And whenever the storm comes, what happens? Whoops. The tree falls into my yard, and it breaks my fence. And I wake up, and I look out my window, and I'm like, oh, oh my tree's down in my yard. That's going to be like a 1000 bucks. I got to call a tree service. I have to, I have to get my fence fixed. I, you know, I already had a doctor appointment this morning, a doctor's appointment this morning. I had, you know, I got to stay late at work. I mean, I got to cancel my plans because I got to make sure that this is taken care of. And then I walk outside, and I look at it, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's not my tree. It's my neighbor's tree. Thank you, Jesus, right? It's their tree in my yard. There's stuff in my yard. And so what do I do? I don't cancel all my plans. I don't change my world. You know what I do? I just, I call my neighbor up. Hey, what's up? Go Vols. Great game this weekend. Hey, by the way, you know that storm last night? I don't know if you saw it. But your tree is in my yard, and it broke down the fence. And if my neighbor is a good, decent, normal human being, what are they going to say back? Okay, sorry about that. Man, right today, I'm going to get that taken care of. I'll be right over with the chainsaw. I'm going to help it. Like, like we're, we're gonna, I'm going to call a tree service. I'm going to do what I can do, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to get it cleaned up. That's, that's, that's what's going to happen because this is my property, and this is their property, and then their property gets off into my stuff, okay? And if we could take this into relationships, it's so powerful. This is uh, a concept from a book uh, from Dr. Henry Cloud called Boundaries. Actually, uh, this spring small group semester, we had a whole small group that went through this and this is where I learned uh, this concept but he, he said essentially here's the problem in our relationships we don't have boundaries like when we don't have boundaries we don't we don't understand what is our life and what's the differentiation between what's their life what's my life and what's my family's life what's my life and what's my co-workers life what's my life and what's all these other people's lives and what am I responsible for what am I accountable for what is what do I own and what do other people own so what happens people don't take care of their lives and what happens a tree falls into our yard relationally and what do we say if we have no boundary? It's okay. Don't worry about it. I got you. It's no big deal. It's just a tree. It's all good. And we change our life, and we cancel those doctor's appointments, and we change our job situation. Why? Because now we have to fix something, but it's not our stuff. And here's the problem with it. I want to show it to you in the scripture. Proverbs 19.19 says, A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. So when someone who's hot-tempered, when someone who has some issues, when someone who's going through this situation, whenever they're, they're, they, there has to be, God says, they have to pay the penalty. Like there's a price to be paid for their stuff coming into your yard. And it says this, if you rescue them, in other words, no problem. You rescue all your family members that have issues, all your family members that are having problems constantly. You rescue every, every person you work with, every friend, all these other things. We constantly rescue them. Watch what's going to happen. You'll have to do it again. And then what happens next? You'll do it again. <laughs> then what happens next? You'll do it again. This is a principle in the Word of God. 
people's stuff falls in our lives. And, and here's, here's kind of what it looks like. When you have no boundaries, one person's stuff falls in your life. And you're like, oh, it's okay, no big deal. And then another person's stuff falls in, oh, no big deal. And then before long, you don't even have anything. Your life is in disarray because you're constantly rescuing everybody else instead of setting limits and being responsible for the life that God gave you and the family that God gave you and the career that God gave you and all the things. This is your property lines. And we go around complaining about everyone else and what they do in our lives. And the reality is, is that, those people are not the problem. If we keep rescuing them, we're the problem. Man, this is, maybe it's the first time you heard this and you're like, I don't even like this church anymore. Like, what is, I ain't coming back again. I just want to give you some truth. Hopefully, it's, this, will, this will set you free. Because maybe you're like, oh, that's why that person is like that. Why? Because they've never been asked to take responsibility for their stuff in your life. We say, but I love them. According to the word, according to this passage, the best way to love them sometimes is to not rescue them. Sometimes the best way to love them is to say, hey, hey, Joe, great game last weekend. Hey, your stuff's in my yard. Do you mind, like, like it's, that's not my responsibility. One person said that's a lack of planning on your part is not an emergency on my part, Right? In other words, I have boundaries to my life. And, and, and I'm just not going to let every difficult person do that. You say, well, it sounds really insensitive. Well, here's the reality, is that God is a lot better God than you are. And whenever you choose to not just rescue every person, you're putting them in the hands of the one that can really help them. Because all you can do is rescue them, and it's going to happen again, rescue them, happen again. But if they go into the hands of God, God can really change them. And do a work in their life. And you know what's going to happen whenever, if I can go back to this illustration, whenever my buddy, my neighbor, his tree falls in my yard, he takes responsibility for it. He says, hey man, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to take care of it today. It's going to be all right. What's going to happen with me? Because I love my neighbor and because I'm proud that he's taking responsibility and help, I'm going to be out there with my chainsaw and I'm going to be helping this brother out. Why? Because I love my neighbor. And, and here's the reality. When, you, when people start taking that responsibility, man, do everything you can do to help it. Do everything that you can do. But make sure that you're not living a life where you're just constantly rescuing them every time. Instead, have some boundaries and understand God is God and I am not. That's a great thing to learn in your life. Why don't you, can we say that, Taylor? God is God and I am not. One more time. God is God and I am not. So that means sometimes you just have to allow God to, to rescue people. And then whenever, whenever, they, uh, whenever they're ready, whenever they take responsibility, you say, okay. Let's do this. Like, I'm with you. I'm, he I'm here in your corner. Is this helping anybody today? This, this will save you in regard to relationship. Here's the fourth thing. Refuse revenge. Refuse revenge. This is where we come back into Joseph's story. Joseph um, was, was, was sold into slavery by, by his brothers. Had every reason to take revenge on the people that hurt him because he had an opportunity to. People came against him. And, and his brothers were at a very vulnerable spot. And here's the reality. You're going to always have the opportunity. And I'm going to always have the opportunity to take revenge against the people that have hurt us along the way. It's just a reality. That, that, that if you're looking for an opportunity, it's always going to come. But the scripture, when we refuse to just pay back evil for evil, it'll change everything in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says this, Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. That's good. Like, I want to bless. I can't stand. No, no, no. God says, no, no. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. That's that part of the story. Everyone has a story. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. 
Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let your evil get the best of you, but get the best of evil by doing good. And this is so counterintuitive in our lives because we want to get back at people that hurt us along the way. But God's word says whenever, God said he is the only one that has the power to truly take revenge. Our job is to bless. Our job is to love. Our job is to, is to care for, not, not fight back, but, but, to, but to cancel people's debt because our debt's been canceled by God. Joseph said this, this is in Joseph's life. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, man, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? And that's, that, that, that's just the way of the world. That's the way that makes sense. That shouldn't Joseph kill all his brothers and sell them into slavery and make them go to you know, some random place? You know? And shouldn't he do that because that's what they did to him? Sure. But watch what Joseph said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. This is so powerful. Am I in the place of God? One of the things that will set us free more than anything else, if we will stop trying to be God in, in, in other people's lives and say, you know what? I know this is a difficult family relationship. I know this is a difficult emotion, like this is a difficult relationship, but I'm not holding that grudge anymore because you know what? I'm not God. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spake kindly to them. What a guy. What a reality when someone said, you know what, I, I, I was going to get back at you. I was going to do to you what you did to me, but... But I'm going to refuse to do that. And here's the fifth thing. See God at work in difficult people. See God. You know, I think a lot of times we don't have a problem as believers, if you're a believer here today, saying, I think I can see God in the middle of the craziness of the situations of my life. But I think a lot of times we really have trouble seeing God in people that are crazy. (laughs) Like we're like, okay, God, you're taking care of my money and you're taking care of my, all these things. But these people, would you just kill them all, Jesus? Like, would you just? One of those powerful things that we can start seeing God at work in people. Here's a quote uh, by Francis Fellon. He says this, that speaking of people, they could do nothing to you without your permission. Speaking of God. So the people and the problems and all the situations, that, man, it's, God knows. So in the end, it's he, God, who tests or blesses us using them as we have need. I want to tell you, God uses difficult people. John 5.17 says, the Father is always working, and so am I. If you could just imagine this in your life, in your world, that God's always working. Like God's always working. And he's using difficult people to do it. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things God works for the good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. But we say, God, that's in like my life. That's not in these people. But would you understand 
what I see is whenever I look at the life of a guy like Joseph and so many in the scripture is that God specializes in using people to take us to our destiny. God specializes in using people to take us along the way. Hey, Nick, can I see you for a second? Can you come up here? I'm putting him on the spot. I want to give Nick a hand. He does an awesome job every week on the drums. Yeah. What's up? Now I want you to tell everybody your deepest, darkest secret. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> so if you can imagine, this is Joseph right here. God's got a call. God's going to do something great in, in Joseph's life. He gave him a dream. Now I'm going to do something awesome in, in you. And he is. Um, and it's as if God gave him a dream and he said, hey, hey, Joseph, see, see that place over there? Man, I'm going to do, I'm going to take you there. It's going to be amazing. I mean, all these people are going to be, I mean, you're going to be at a place of influence. I'm going to use you in such an awesome way. And Joseph is like, yes. He's so excited. He tells all of his brothers about it. And then he goes on the journey. And what do we think happens on the journey? We just think, all right, it's right over there. So God, when are we going? Are we going to take a Learjet? Or are we going to take a, what, like, what are we, like, let's just go right there because that's what you called me to do. But here's what God does in Joseph's life. He turns him around. He says, now you have the dream, but for the next 20 years, I'm not going to let you ever see the dream again. And rather, I'm going to push you around. I'm going to push, I'm, I'm going to let people take you and you're going to have brothers that are going to take you and they're going to put you in a, in, in a pit and you're not going to understand why and, and, and then, then after you go to pit you're going to go to this guy named Potiphar's house and then more people are going to push you around and you're no longer on top now you're just a slave and then you got Potiphar's wife that pushes him in another direction you're thinking what in the world's going on and all the while God's saying just keep your attention and focus on me Hey, Joseph, just keep your attention and focus on me. And don't, don't worry about where people push you or where they take you. Just keep your attention and focus on me. And one day, what you're going to realize is on the path to purpose, God's going to take people and he's going to use them. And one day, you're going to turn around and you're going to realize you're exactly where God told you that you were going to be. Thanks, Here's the last and final thing I think he would tell us. Never forget, God uses people to drive you to your destiny. Difficult people. Spend all, when we're all complaining about all the people in our lives and how we've been hurt and betrayed and all these kind of things, and man, it could very well be God's taking you just one step closer to his purpose for your life. Because it wasn't just that Joseph needed to be at this position. That's what we all want. We all want that destination. But God wanted to build a man of character. That he wouldn't destroy the people that he was called to save when he had the opportunity to stand in front of them. But because he knew what it was like to be hurt by people, he didn't want to hurt anybody else. In church, I want to tell you, God's at work in the middle of broken people, so don't give up. Just keep your eyes on him and let him take you wherever he wants to take you. Because I promise the dream is real and his promise will be fulfilled in your life. Can we pray together? Jesus, thank you for this time in your presence. God, we all deal with these difficult people. We've laughed about the funny things, God, but it, it really is deep in our lives. There's layers. There's Some of us, we're not fulfilling that calling because we're just so focused on people instead of focus on you, God. How... Help us to take some responsibility for our lives. Help us to see people the way you see them. God, help us to refuse revenge and trust you every step of the way and understand you're working.
even whenever it doesn't look like it. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. If you're in this place, I don't like to let a service go by. If you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe this is like the first time in a long time, this is a, God's doing a fresh work in your life and you're, you're ready for it. I, I want to pray with you today. And being, becoming a Christian or being a Christian is not about being perfect or having it all together. It's about acknowledging that He's perfect. I'm giving my life to Him. Jesus, that is. Surrendering my life to Jesus. So if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus fresh and anew, nobody's looking around. I just invite you to lift your hand just as a response to God and say, yes, that's me. On the count of three, one, two, three. Just lift up your hand. Yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm not going to let these people, difficult people, keep me from my destiny. God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you today. It's awesome. Awesome. Put your hands down. I want to pray with you. You can pray on your own or you can um, pray with me. But just simply pray a prayer of surrender and we can all pray this together. Just say, Jesus, we give our lives to you. I need you. Change me, God. Make me new. I keep my eyes on you, Jesus. I need you more than breath in my lungs today. God, I need you more than my very life. I, I, I give my life to you. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. I'm all in. I trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.